We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. What we were told as the story was there was this novel virus coming out of China mm -hmm. that we didn't know anything about, and it was attacking humans all around the globe. Mm -hmm. Equals pandemic. That's the primary story, even though we knew this virus was a member of the coronavirus family, of which we know a lot. Relating back to SARS. Yeah, and of which we knew it would attack the most vulnerable members of society, namely the elderly and the frail, those with underlying conditions. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't completely novel in that sense, but the story was it's a new virus and it's attacking us, attacking us. So we've had a war declared upon our physical bodies. This very military. External enemy mm -hmm. that we don't know anything about, folks. That was the primary story. You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 169, PH Factor, The Pandemic Narrative. Word to your mother. Come on in, have a seat. Join the conversation. How's your coffee? It's good, it's great. Hockley Valley Coffee. Oh yeah, it's so good. It makes me want to kaplutz. It's that good. Kaplutz. Kaplutz. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that term for a while. <laughs> kaplutz. Kaplutz. There's a word for you. We're talking you, about words today, so there's a good word. Can you spell it? K-E-P-L-A-T-Z. Kaplutz. On to the podcast. Yes, which the podcast. Is, uh, the Pandemic Narrative. Word to your mother. Would you explain word to your mother? Sure. Word to your mother is a bit of a bastardization mm. of a phrase, word to the mother, which was used in the circles of African people to kind of show a respect and deference to Mother Africa, actually. Ah, okay. Word to the mother. And then somebody took that, one of these rappers took that and changed it to word to your mother, which has come to mean in urban slang, yeah, yeah, right on. I agree. Sure, absolutely. Word to your mother mm -hmm. that that's true. Like it's thing. gospel. Like it's gospel. Yeah. So it kind of represents how we've taken words and phrases and we've twisted the meanings somewhat during the last couple of years in trying to communicate with each other about COVID and what's happened. And that's why we're talking about words today. So we're talking about words. We're going to sort of choose a number of words, not quite at random because we've made a list. Mm. We may not get to all of them, but we're going to choose some words, talk about what the dictionary meaning is of them, how they've shifted and changed in meaning over the last two years, and what that might mean for how people communicate with each other. Why it's so important to the current situation. Right. Not only that, but as Yuval Harari says... Our society is built upon storytelling. The stories we share with each other actually move the human race forward. We both read all three of his books yeah. uh, with regards to Homo sapiens and so on. I want to directly read you something that he actually says. Sure. So Yuval Harari's notion of society evolving according to the stories we share and agree upon. Words equals communication equals group vision equals consensus normality, a cohesive community. When story sharing breaks down, society breaks down, divides, splinters, etc. This is what we've seen. We've seen a number of conflicting and narrowly focused narratives crashing against each other, 
which has led to a kind of mass schizophrenia with people unable to process the conflicting storylines and becoming extreme in their thinking or just plain numb to any information they may be subjected to. People have lost the ability to process their experience of the world and of themselves equals automatons. Yeah, wow. That's Yuval Harari speaking. And he's right. I mean, when you think about all the various stories that have come out over the past two years, whether it be around the origin of the virus mm -hmm. or how we should be treating it or how societies can operate inside a pandemic or what have you, we've had myriad stories bombarding us from different directions. And narrow is the key word, right? He mentions the word narrow, i.e. only one way to look at this, folks. So let's start with the origin story of COVID. What we were told as the story was there was this novel virus coming out of China mm -hmm. that we didn't know anything about. And it was attacking humans all around the globe equals pandemic. That's the primary story. Even though we knew this virus was a member of the coronavirus family, of which we know a lot. Relating back to SARS. Yeah. And of which we knew it would attack the most vulnerable members of society, namely the elderly and the frail, those with underlying conditions. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't completely novel in that sense. But the story was, it's a new virus and it's attacking us, attacking us. So we've had a war declared upon our physical bodies. This very military. External enemy mm -hmm. that we don't know anything about, folks. That was the primary story. And it worked at first to frighten the hell out of people and make people follow the protocols. I included most people said, yeah, that makes sense. This sounds like a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. If you don't know anything about it and it's attacking everybody, mm -hmm. we better do what the experts say and hunker down, lock down, what have you, which we did. Yes. But that story has turned out to be inaccurate. Not only perhaps inaccurate, although some people might argue the accuracy point, it's more about how the story is being told. Stories are made of words. Yep. Words have meanings. Yep. If you start to alter the meanings, whether it's nuanced or whether it's significant, you now alter the story. Right. So take the word novel. That was one of the first words where the meaning started to shift mm -hmm. around it. Novel typically means it's new. It's something we haven't seen before, really. And for something to be really new or novel, the difference between the old thing and the new thing has to be fairly substantial. But in the case of the coronavirus we're talking about, SARS-CoV-2, the difference between SARS-1 and SARS-2 is actually minimal when you look at the genetics of the mutation. Mm -hmm. It's much more related to SARS-1 than it is not. Right. So it is not as novel or new as that word would suggest psychologically to people who hear it. Right. And we're talking about words here because neither one of us is expert in the area of science and so on. But we can definitely talk about words, definitions, and how the story is being told. Yeah, exactly. So that was one of the first early words where they became charged. The words that we're going to talk about today have a charge around them. Mm -hmm. when, when you say them, words like dire, dangerous, selfish, biased, misinformed, brainwashed, all of these various words, immunity, pandemic versus epidemic, vaccine, herd immunity, all of these things have a real emotional and psychic charge around them so that people either react to them 
mm-hmm. or think automatically certain thoughts that have been given to them. And a lot right? of people also respond or react without really understanding the actual meaning. Well, exactly. So why don't we take a word? What do you think? What do you want to start with? Well, one that is used a lot and may not sound like a significant word, but it is to me, and that's the word selfish. Yeah, that's an interesting one. It's an interesting one because the basic definition is caring only about yourself rather than about other people. Mm -hmm. But there's an assumption built into that little meaning. And the assumption is you can't do both. Mm -hmm. You can't care about yourself and about other people at the same time. It's one or the other. Mm -hmm. Which is ludicrous. Which is ludicrous. And yet that's how it's been presented to us. You either take the vax and you're not selfish, or you don't take the vax, and you are selfish, equals a bad person. Hmm? Yes. So this word, this simple word that we've come to understand in its nuances, in its different meanings in a way, depending upon the context, suddenly has become a black or white thing. Well, remember when you talked about the situation describing the virus? which had a kind of military tone. Mm-hmm. Well, what we're doing now is we're actually arming words. Yeah, yeah, they're, you're they're, right. They're becoming the new bombs and bullets. Social discourse has become a kind of war of words, mm-hmm. of meaning, of information, questioning information. Speaking of which, there's another word right there, there's misinformed. The big one, that's a huge word, misinformation. And what is misinformation exactly? Is it that you're wrong? Is it that you're only partially informed? Mm-hmm. Is it that your interpretation is not one I agree with? What does misinformation actually mean? Exactly. And I think technically it means not fully informed or you've got your information from somewhere that is not reliable or something. So you've been misinformed about something. We're not only talking about the disagreement, we're also talking about where the disagreements lie. Do they lie only on one side? Or is misinformation happening on both sides? Well, exactly. Today, in fact, I uploaded something to social media about how hospitals are now being inundated with vaccinated people. There are more, a higher percentage of vaccinated people in hospitals Mm -hmm. and in ICUs right now in Ontario anyway, than unvaccinated. And somebody piped up immediately saying, this sounds like absolute nonsense from what I hear, from what I hear. Yes. Right. So rather than actually looking at the data... And saying, oh, yeah, I guess that is correct. It's not such nonsense. They didn't do that. Which brings me to another word. And we've talked about this many times over the last few podcasts related to this subject. The word bias. Bias, yeah. So what do you make of the word bias? Well, in this particular case that you just described, it was the bias that was creating the comment, not the information or the knowledge. I heard. Yeah. Because it supports what I think. Right, right. And the confirmation of that bias comes from the media Mm -hmm. that is confirming and affirming every day the mainstream narrative. Mm -hmm. In the alternative media, the information is confirming and affirm the opposing views, to be fair. So the confirmation bias is there on both sides of this divide. Mm -hmm. Before we continue with the word aspect. Yeah. There's a certain irony in the sense that you have the mainstream media pretty much on one side of things and always reiterating same Mm -hmm. and even suggesting or making the comment that the opposing side is just this constant sludge of 
hearsay and nonsense and so on, yep. without the recognition, or at least seemingly, that the limitations that they place by being one-sided only increases the desire for people to seek information elsewhere. Sure, of course. Because when you get bombarded with the same messaging over and over again, an intelligent thinking person begins to go, wait a second, are there no other possible mm -hmm. alternative views on scenarios. this? Other scenarios, other ways of dealing with the virus? I'd like to get a second opinion. Mm. As they say with your doctor, go get a second opinion. And it's while, a good thing. And right? while you're on that, before I forget when we're talking about opinions, and we've talked specifically about newspapers that we're familiar with in our own living area, primarily in the city of Toronto, even though we're outlying, we deal primarily with the Globe and Mail and the Toronto Star. Right. And I've mentioned to you on more than one occasion how disillusioned I've become with both those papers, not because of necessarily just what they're writing, but because it used to be when you read something in a newspaper, at least it seemed that way to me, that you would get both viewpoints on something. Mm-hmm. But the stories that are being told now in certain papers, they're always one-sided. There's no debate of any kind. Yeah, I remember seeing in the Star and other newspapers years ago, an issue would, whether it was maybe abortion or something. I remember abortion in particular. They'd have a pro-abortion person, an anti-abortion person, mm -hmm. and they would allow them to write a very full article, and they'd place them side by side on the page mm -hmm. so that you could read both and get both sides of it and think about both possibilities mm -hmm. before you decided what you actually felt about it or thought about it. Right. You don't see that now. Well, but, and linking it back to what we're talking about, which is words and stories, yeah. it's one story versus two. Yeah, well, exactly. And there are probably more than two, but you can't actually hear those stories if they're censored or if you only allow one story to be the story, mm -hmm. right? And there are extreme views on both sides as well. Mm -hmm. On the one side, you have people talking about taxing unvaccinated people and incarcerating them and denying them health care because of how selfish they are. On the other side, you hear people talking about how the vaccines are a bioweapon, that there are elites out there conspiring to decimate humanity to become more powerful or something like that. Conspiracy theories, right? Mm -hmm, which segues perfectly to our next word, which is brainwashing. Ah, there you go. <laughs> which means to force somebody to accept your ideas or beliefs. For example, by repeating the same thing many times yeah. or by preventing the person from thinking clearly, which we now called gaslighting. That's yes. a new term that's kind of come in mm -hmm. in the last year or so, right? To purposely confusing people by the way you talk about it, mm -hmm. right? But this brainwashing, repeating the same thing many times, how much have we heard of the same thing many times over and over again in the past two years? Yes. And people balk at the idea of you saying, well, that's propaganda, folks. That's what brainwashing is. They go, what are you talking about? We're Canada. We, they don't do that kind of thing here. But on the ground, that is exactly what's happened over two years, hasn't it? People, come on, and, and think about it. And it's created an increase on the opposing side of brainwashing as well. Both sides are doing it in a different way. Well, yeah, it may not be equal in terms of how much brainwashing there is. Well, it can't be equal because the dominant would always be the media. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. And the media, are, of course, are complicit in this propaganda or brainwashing of the population. I mean, it's part of what they do anyway before COVID. I mean, they were, in a way, a bit of a propaganda arm of government or of certain parties. You know, certain papers were left-leaning, certain papers more right, yes. right? And so there's a bias 
in those newspapers regardless. Right. And so far, most of our words have been words related to storytelling in terms of words that we recognize, which are common words like bias and brainwashing, which yeah. are, are very specific meanings. But then there are also the words that slide into the scientific or medical side of things, words like protected, immune. Yeah. Well, which leads us to the third word in that sequence, which is vaccine. Yes. And it was only recently that the CDC in the United States actually changed the definition of what a vaccine is mm -hmm. to include the mRNA vaccines. Because technically speaking, up to that moment in time when they changed the definition, what people were putting in their arms was not a vaccine at all. And the mRNA, let's stop there for a second, and perhaps you can elucidate on this. Yeah. Briefly explain mRNA. Well, it's a technology whereby our cells are programmed via these mRNA particles surrounded by lipid nanoparticles that allow them to get into our cells and program the cells to produce the spike protein that then encourages antibodies to be produced to fight them. So they inject that thing into your, supposedly into the muscle of your arm mm -hmm. where it's supposed to stay and then disappear after four or five days, having done their thing, programming mm -hmm. the cells. But they're not supposed to be circulating throughout your entire body. But unfortunately, studies have shown that that is what has happened. And there are these lipid nanoparticles with their mRNA packages, if you like, traveling all around the body, ending up in the ovaries and the liver and the brain and the heart. And thus you see heart conditions, neurological issues, post-vaccination, issues with menstruation and miscarriages. And these kinds of stories are emerging that are correlating with the vaccine, although it's very hard to prove causation. Mm -hmm. Another good word. Yeah. Correlation versus causation. Yes. And so... That's basically the mechanism that is happening with these vaccines, but they're not traditional vaccines. And they were never understood to be traditional vaccines until the CDC simply changed the definition of the word. To include that. I.E., Orwell's 1984, war is peace. Yes. We've just changed the definition, folks. War is now peace. War is peace. That's what they just did. This thing is now a vaccine. And so that undercut those who are opposed to this vaccine from talking about it in that way, that it's right. not even a vaccine, folks. Right. Oh, now it is a vaccine, you see, yes. officially. Which, again, changes the story. So it changes the story and the narrative, and it tries to undercut people's way of communicating. Immunity. Those original vaccines, the actual true vaccines, conferred sterilizing immunity which mm -hmm. meant that you didn't catch the virus and you couldn't pass it on typically, right? This mRNA technology doesn't do that at all. It doesn't give you immunity at all. You can catch the virus, you can pass it on, you can get sick, you can be in the hospital. And in fact, the hospitals are now being inundated with vaccinated people. So they're not vaccines in the real sense of the word. They're treatments, like taking an Advil for a headache diminishes your symptoms. Now, one thing I would like to add here, because there are more vaccinated people than non-vaccinated people. Yep. An argument could be made that one of the reasons why there are increasing numbers of vaccinated people in the hospital is because there are more of them. I can't decipher how much of the problem is just an overload of people coming in and how much of the problem is perhaps also due to staff deficiencies. Huge. Which Huge. were in part created by this whole 
system that we set up, yeah. which did not allow health workers to continue to work even when they were willing to be tested even daily. Yeah. So you have the ludicrous situation in which hospitals are saying, if you're vaccinated and you have symptoms, i.e. you're sick, come on in, you can work. But if you're unvaccinated and you have no symptoms, sorry, we can't have you in here. Mm -hmm. It's ludicrous. It's a mixed up story. <laughs> so it's not just definitions that we're talking about here. It is also the way things are being handled. And again, we're not sitting in judgment here because neither you or I are politicians. We don't even have a grasp on exactly what's involved. We're just a couple of guys talking about this yeah. in terms of what we see, what we experience. And we're passing this on from a logic perspective. Yeah. Are you even thinking about any of these things? Well, sure. Let's take another word like, for example, infection, another medical term, really. Mm -hmm. And really, it means that you have enough viral load in you to create symptoms. That's the traditional understood meaning of what an infection is. Mm -hmm. If you don't have symptoms, you're really not infected or infectious. In the traditional medical model. Somehow that got tossed out the window in the last two years so that people who have no symptoms, who are feeling perfectly well, and they're considered asymptomatic and positive with COVID, they're called cases, which equals infections clinically, when in fact, they're not infected at all, really. They don't have enough viral load to pass anything on to anybody. They're not infectious. And just take a moment. That word, because that is one of our words, asymptomatic. Yeah. Just briefly describe that, because I think there's still many people who don't have a clear understanding of what that word means. It really shouldn't be used at all. What should be used is only pre-symptomatic. And that is a couple of days before you're actually getting sick with symptoms, mm -hmm. you may have a chance to spread the virus around. But asymptomatic just means you have no symptoms. And in essence, you're healthy if you have no symptoms. <laughs> Medically speaking, you're perfectly healthy, really. So it's only pre-symptomatic people who might be spreading the virus around or symptomatic people, but not asymptomatic people. Studies have shown, mm -hmm. a major one in China with 11 million people, showed asymptomatic spread doesn't happen. It's simply not significant at all in the scheme of things. And yet, it has underpinned, along with the PCR testing, the whole narrative, mainstream narrative of how to handle this virus. And we should state, I believe this anyway, uh, even in my daily conversations or exchanges with fellow workers, with clients and so on, there's a deluge of words mm -hmm. with acronyms mm -hmm. that are not clearly understood. You can create confusion. Mm -hmm go into this kind of fear mode when they hear the words. Which is why it's important for governments and health officials to lay out the entire landscape of what these things mean mm -hmm. and alternative meanings and alternative scenarios and different ways we might handle this. And we're going to have a big debate and discussion with all kinds of points of view because this is pretty damn important. So we're going to take the moment to do this rather mm -hmm. than just react in knee-jerk fashion, which is what happened. Right? We're going to look into how this is going to affect human behavior, the economy, everything that goes on in society, because it's a big one. We mm -hmm. know it's going to have repercussions. And on top of that, you have phrases like 
do the right thing. Do your civic duty. Oh, man. Talk about weapons. Those are charged phrases if you don't have a clear understanding of what it is that you're actually describing. What yeah. What is a civic duty exactly? Yeah. Well, it's doing something that is in aid of the common good as opposed to your own good. That's doing your civic duty. Like voting is a civic duty. But taking care of your body and your health as an individual is also a civic duty. Well, this right? is what I was getting at. I mean, I understand what civic duty means, though I think in total context, in terms of personal responsibility as it relates to civic duty. It goes back to the word selfish. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. How can you help others if you don't help yourself? Well, sure. I mean, on an airplane, they always tell you if you're a parent with a child, put the oxygen mask on yourself first mm -hmm. and then your child, not the other way around. Right. And are you actually selfish or are you actually considerate? Yeah. And what does do the right thing mean? It has come to mean follow the protocols. That's what it has come to mean because the assumption is and it is an assumption that if you follow the protocols and all these interventions are followed, then the virus will somehow diminish in the community. We have seen, studies have shown, many dozens of them now, that these interventions actually have not shown to produce the results that they intended to, mm -hmm. namely the reduction of spread, hospitalizations and deaths, etc. In fact, there's a website, Brownstone Institute, that has actually listed, get this, 400 studies that have looked at our human interventions, the whole gamut of them, in relation to the viral evolution, and have shown that there has been little correlation between what we have tried to do physically with lockdowns, jabs, all this stuff, and the actual evolution of the virus, slowing it down mm -hmm. or whatever. There's been little correlation at all. What does that mean? If governments were serious about leadership and governing, they'd look at this data and they'd go, man, maybe what we're doing, maybe this narrative is not the right story. Maybe there's another story we should be bringing to bear upon this. Which brings us back to those words, correlation and causation. And causation, which is used often in talking when people talk about the VAERS, B-A-E-R-S system in the U.S., which is the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. Explain that. Yeah, it's a system that was set up, I'm not sure, I think in the 90s maybe, mm -hmm. that was designed to be a kind of signaling device for when a vaccine might have some problems in terms of its effects. And so uh, people, doctors in particular, are supposed to fill out these forms and send them in and then they note them and then they can realize just how many side effects have been correlated. It's a monitoring system. It's a monitoring system that signals. And so when H1N1 vaccines were introduced and upwards of 50 people died, according to theirs, they actually stopped the rollout of the vaccine. Mm -hmm. In the US, we're up around, I don't know, 20,000 people dead correlated with the vaccine. But that seems to be no issue with the authorities or the FDA. That makes no difference to them. So the VAERS reporting system has been ignored as a signaling system. It's just been shunted. 
relative to its original intention. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So what's the point of it then, I say, if you're not going to actually take it seriously? Which, based on what you just explained, I, I would also use that as another segue point in that you're talking about words, definitions, how we've changed the story or the, the telling of the story. Mm. And this also shifts into the legal aspects because... When you're changing words and stories, you're also crossing the line into changing laws. Sure. So now yeah. laws are not as clear. Judges and courts have to deal with things differently because it's nebulous. Well, you have the Charter of Rights and Freedoms here in Canada, and you have words like law, mandate, edict. And there's this conversation in social media where on the one side, people are saying mandates are just strong recommendations. Mm -hmm. They're not laws at all. You don't have to follow them. And on the other side, you have people saying, no, no, I talked to lawyers. And the lawyers say that under an emergency act, you can mandate something and it is de facto a law. So these nuances in legality are now being played out in the courts yes. as these things are brought to trial, not trial necessarily, but brought to courts to determine what actually is, constitutes a right or a freedom mm -hmm. within this situation. Which includes the analysis of words and their definitions. <laughs> well, exactly. The only way we can share our stories and share in a story is to agree upon what the words mean that make up the story. Yes. Right? And this is what's happened over the last two years. There's been an unraveling of that consensus in terms of what words mean, certain words, mm -hmm. that has prevented us from actually sharing in a story that is going to get us out of this thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. So until we have a story that gets us out of this thing, and that's beginning to happen anyway. I think so. As people are talking about the virus is now becoming endemic mm. versus pandemic. Well, those are two big words right there. Endemic. Mm -hmm. There's epidemic, pandemic, and endemic. And endemic is the one state in which we can actually live with the virus as we do with the flu and the cold and other respiratory mm. issues. It's relegating that particular situation to, i.e., the common cold or regular right. flu. Right. It's yeah. saying that it's something that we have to accept as part of our normal day-to-day -day existence and not be overreactive to it as we have been now in the last two years. We have to calm ourselves down mm -hmm. and back away from the fear factor because we know a lot more about it now than we did before. Mm -hmm. And we know that it's becoming weaker as the variants emerge. And so Omicron has been a blessing. It's been a blessing. I've been saying people should be dancing in the streets, not worrying about surging cases because we know that it's very, very mild in general. But even that, the word cases. No, oh, yeah. And there's another word that we didn't really bring up during the discussion, but it's probably caused more confusion yeah. and more fear and more misunderstanding because cases also, by definition, what constitutes a case? Of course. If I, if I have the sniffles, do I have a case? Am I a case? I guess I am. I think you're a nutcase. <laughs> I'm sure there's some people listening are of thinking course. that about you. I'd like to crack this nut. Cases also brings other words that we discussed earlier in this podcast when we talked about danger and dangerous. Yeah. The word cases conjures up danger now. Yeah. So if you escalate the numbers, you immediately have this sense of fear that you project mm. because you're not explaining the real danger, yeah, quote, yeah. of a case. 
Yeah, right. I don't know how many people have noticed this, but the spike in cases in the last few weeks has been enormous, off the charts, right, so to speak. Yet, the number of deaths associated with those cases really extremely low low relative to and the length of stay in ICUs has been cut in half yeah in fact you don't hear too much about that you don't news. want to hear that good news yeah we should <laughs> we don't want to hear that good news we've been ensconced in this we want to hear more bad news better for uh, the news you know it's better for uh, entertainment purposes absolutely it's also better for maintaining momentum if you get people pushed in a certain direction right you don't right. want to let up on that yeah um, or you're trapped mm -hmm. in a narrative that you can't back out of and that's mm -hmm. my sense is that mm -hmm. governments have been trapped in their own narrative and it's very hard for them psychologically yes, it is. to back out of something that they've been immersed in for two years. Mm -hmm. And same goes for a lot of people who've bought into that narrative. Very hard for them to back out of it and start to diminish the fear factor. How many people are thinking it's time to take off the masks? Not many, because a lot have been told and now for two years, masks are something that are going to protect you. When in fact, studies are not showing that at all, really. It's a real mixed bag. But nonetheless, they've been saying, mask everybody, mask the kids. I think every sensible person realizes the virus itself is not made up. People that get sick, it's not made up. I think what we don't agree on is the story that is being told. It's yeah. not about whether it's real or whether it's happening. Right. But are we keeping a perspective? Are we keeping a balanced view? Right. Are we considering the actual definitions? Are we considering that the story is in line and that everybody is getting the same story? Yeah, and can we get beyond the individual emotion-laden anecdotal stories of, oh my God, my cousin died of COVID and it was terrible. Mm. Oh dear, my brother-in-law, who's perfectly healthy, took the vaccine and died the next day. These kinds of anecdotal things- On are, both sides. Are, on both sides are yeah. fueling people's viewpoint and keeping it there, mm -hmm. when really we have to get beyond that. I know it sounds non-compassionate, but we do have to get beyond those anecdotal emotional stories to look at the whole scenario and to make decisions that yeah. affect everybody. Yeah. It's not to disregard or disrespect. No those situations because they're real. Yeah. And so when people say you're being selfish by not taking the vaccine, my response is I care about people as much as you do. But from where I'm standing, which is hopefully a little bit above the emotional charged words, stories, etc. Mm -hmm. I think I'm seeing something here which has gone really skewed and which needs to be corrected. Or at right? least discussed. At least discussed, at least discussed. So when we use our words these days, we have to be thoughtful about how we're using them and not just throw them at people like bullets. Schooling has not helped much. I think our educational system has not produced people who carefully think about their language and their words. Mm -hmm. People are sloppy with language, with words. And being a writer, I notice it, of course, and I notice it when I'm sloppy. That's also in part due to technology and the fact that certain things have been let go. Even ordinary spelling, for example, is no longer deemed important because you have mm. spell checkers. So, Right. Well, we have to because community is glued together with the language that we share and the stories we share, the yes. words we use. It is the glue, the mortar between the bricks, if you yes. like, right, mm. is language and communication and words. So if we mess with that, so much that people don't get each other anymore, 
we've destroyed community, haven't mm-hmm. we? Absolutely. And that's my concern here. That goes well beyond the virus and all this stuff now. And as I've said before, it's going to be years after this virus has dissipated for people to find their balance again and reestablish a sense of community and connectedness mm-hmm. and to diminish the charge in the words. Also, when you talk about education, children, for example, as we understand education, children who came from reasonably secure homes that were fed properly when they went to school, they weren't exposed to a lot of abuse and so on, they learned better. Sure. When we've created an environment with so many obstacles, situations are at a point now where even the simplest things become complex. Mm viruses, parents who have different opinions, stresses at home, etc., etc. So in order to foster what you're talking about, we need to go back to all these things. And COVID has exposed it all. Yeah. The fact is that the vast majority of the unvaccinated population are either visible minorities or in the poorer sectors of society. Mm-hmm. So we've managed to, and partly it's a trust issue too. Of course. And, and partly it's access, etc. But mm-hmm. that's a fact. And we can't ignore that fact when we tax the unvaccinated mm-hmm. or make them suffer even more than they're suffering now. It's simply an unconscionable. And yet people are trying to ignore that. Well, we're saying you can't ignore that anymore. And speaking of tax, uh, just before we close today, Harry, I wanted to address this issue of tax because this whole thing that happened in Quebec, and we're also talking about people being taxed in Europe and Greece and so on. Yeah. Part of me goes, why is it that people don't understand why some people are vehemently opposed to the whole idea Mm. of taxing Mm -hmm. someone, i.e., for not being vaccinated because it's a health threat? Well, then what kind of a precedence does that set? Does that mean that we're going to tax all obese people? Yeah. People, uh, that we're going to tax smokers? You know, yeah, so smokers for clogging up the hospitals with lung cancer cases and mm-hmm. taking away beds from someone else. My attitude here is that the hospital is there to take care of the sick. It's not there to moralize and lecture people on their lifestyle choices. Right. They're there to be supported by our taxes and the government and to take care of the sick, no matter who you are, drug addict, alcoholic, obese, lung cancer, unvaccinated COVID person. They're there to treat you, period. To the best of their ability. Do not blame the population for the failure of the health system. Mm -hmm. We're already taxed. We have a socialized medicine system in this Mm -hmm. country. Do not tax us anymore for that. Sorry, if it's failing, the fault is on the shoulders of government and how it's supported and set up the healthcare system. And we are the government. True, in a sense. But as time goes by, we trust more and more. There's another word, trust. We trust more and more that the experts and the people we elect to govern us mm-hmm. know enough to do the right thing, (laughs) to do their civic duty, Mm. to not be selfish, to not brainwash us, to not call us dangerous or misinformed or biased, but to be an equal opportunity government, to treat people fairly and to do the least harm Mm. to the most people. Yeah. So in closing, I'll go back to my original position, which is also my own bias, and that I believe that it's up to the people to get us out of the situation, not the government. Yeah, I totally agree with you. We need to stop fighting each other. We need to, in my opinion, correct or heal the wounds that have been created within our families, with our friendships, with our working cohorts, 
This debate, to me, is not going to be solved by prime ministers and our presidents, I don't believe. Anyway, they may be the instruments through which we seek mm-hmm. reconciliation and correction. Yeah. But we as a people have to stop fighting one another and try to uh, reach some kind of accord and respect. And this anti-thing is another problem, in my opinion, of definition. Anti, i.e. anti-vaxxer. Well, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I know that I fit that definition because I'm not vaccinated. However, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not against people being vaccinated. What I'm against is people not being given the choice. Yeah, That's a very different situation from someone who thinks vaccines are wrong or shouldn't happen. I'm not a medical expert, but I can make a choice. Sure. So don't categorize because that's also fueling the discord between people. You're using definitions that do not apply. Exactly. And to that, I'm going to do the final word on this podcast. And the word is Amen. Amen. In nome of the Padres, the Filios, the Spiritus Santos. That's my Roman Catholic background. <laughs> Ciao, Peter. Ciao, Harry. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Thank you for your donation to The Sill Podcast.